it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. Week one is in the can. We're here to pick apart all the pieces and we'll be doing it in a bit of our usual routine as we'll be picking out your belter of the week. We'll be highlighting our team of the week and the new section this year. We'll be asking you for your rants. We'll be picking out some of those and chewing over the bones of the things that have stuck in your craw to do that. As ever, joined by Paul Mitchell, by Gordon McGuinness, by Ian Stephen. Good evening, gentlemen. Paul, first of all, I, eventful week one, full of highs and a few lows as well. Yeah, I mean, everything's New York centred, isn't it? I mean, the, the Giants getting to use a wonderful Scottish word, scalped uh, beyond belief. Um, so it was not a good time to be on NBC Sunday Night Football. And of course, we'll just get out of the way straight away. The injury to Aaron Rodgers, which has dominated. I mean, it was the front page and the back page of the New York Post. It's led every wait, wait, talk show. Rodgers get injured? <laughs> yeah. I do. Well, and, and I'm glad you've said that because if you'd watched the YouTube highlights that were put up by the NFL, which I did, um, you see Rodgers go down and it cuts to the next play. And then it cuts to another play, and you suddenly look and you think, why is Zach Wilson in there? There was no explanation whatsoever from the official YouTube highlights of the NFL. Guys, when you're editing that, have a look at the boy sitting on the deck, having a look at him being carted off, and actually give some context. The highlights on the YouTube channel, certainly from the NFL, awful. Didn't tell really the story of the game. If all you want to see is what I would class as random plays, because that's what it looked like, then clipped in together like that. But honestly, you would have gone through that just thinking, what happened to him? Because the challenge itself looked fairly innocuous. There was no follow-up, and that's from the NFL's official channel. Pretty poor. I know we're going into rants later, Cameron. There's I was going to say. There's an early <laughs> rant for you. It was really bad editing. When you expect You expect really good stuff from the NFL. It wasn't there. Listen, yes, I, I would there, there was something that kind of rung a bell with uh, with me for this, and there was so much talking and conjecture and pontification and essentially hope for the New York Jets. So they're a franchise that's been without hope since, what, 1969? And there's been three other occasions where a former NFL MVP quarterback has been traded to another team. And the first time that happened, it was Boomer Esiason. He was traded to the Jets and in a game against the Giants, Lawrence Taylor knocked him clean out cold, didn't finish the season. Next time, Joe Montana, he was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. He was knocked out of the playoffs with a concussion, didn't play the rest of the playoffs. Kansas City Chiefs were knocked out. And the final time, was Brett Favre when he was traded to the Jets. He tore his biceps, tried to play the rest of the season, but he was terrible. So the moral of the story is don't trade for a former NFL MVP quarterback because they're incredibly brittle and they'll fall apart. Unless it's Tom Brady, in which case you'll win the Super Bowl. Did they trade <laughs> did they trade for him or was he not granted a release? Ooh, oh no, you're right. Yeah, you're agent. right. He was he was free agent. What? Look at that. Steven, straight with him. Stephen yeah, was in did, Ian Stephen, but I, did, like, I wasn't did. calling you Stephen. I did my research. Hey, that's first, lovely. It's the first time ever in four years. 
Uh, long may it continue. Um, so obviously the, the Rogers thing, and I think that yeah, let's touch on this. Um, and and I will jump in to one of the rants right away because we're talking about it right now. Uh, and it's Sarah Taylor had put on to say that people celebrating the Rogers injury are arseholes. That's all. That's her rant. Her rant because there's been a, right. a bunch of yeah, yeah there's been a bunch of stuff out of this, and there's this overwhelming feeling of like. At, I got a bit fed up of Rogers continually sticking his face in front of a camera to just have a whatever is in his brain that day. I was like, oh, whatever, a bit of a prima donna, a bit of an attention seeker, what have you. However, there's so much build up to this story. It was fascinating. This division felt so exciting. And this was the game that was really going to kick things off. And and it just it lasted four snaps and that's that's it. There's then a fifth snap that we didn't want, and, and that was that. The issue here, Cameron, is clearly Sarah Taylor is a intelligent, compassionate, kind, beautiful person. Unlike and you. I'm I'm not sure she's listening to the right podcast. This hang on, is... hang on. <laughs> hang on. I, I think me and Cameron are at least, and Jamie are at least generally calm and measured at points. You and Paul are obviously very, very emotional. Similar, yeah. similar emotional. Uh, <laughs> well, where, where, on, where on earth do you get that from? Anyway, <laughs> before, before before you start explaining that, um, I was on Radio Scotland earlier on today talking about the Aaron Rodgers story, trying to put it into context for people and what it means. And if you're a fan of the sport, you, you look next Sunday. The Jets play the Cowboys. Nine twenty-five. It's the big. It's the big CBS game. That's gone from being an absolute must-watch to hey ho. Who wasn't looking forward to Patrick Mahomes Week Four Sunday Night Football? Chiefs against the Jets. Patrick Mahomes playing against his hero. The chance for Rogers to go up against the Super Bowl champions. Now it's ho hum. Whether you like Aaron Rodgers or whether you don't like Aaron Rodgers, what it has done has robbed us of some really, really good games. Um, and that's the bit that I'm disappointed in because I wanted to see Rodgers play Prescott, Rodgers play play the Chiefs. I think they just would have been good entertainment. Now, that's presuming, of course, that he was going to play well. Now, there was no guarantee that was going to happen. But I think we've been robbed of entertainment. And Hard Knocks probably is partly to blame because they've got everybody riled up and ready for this. And lo and behold, it ain't going to happen. The other part of that as well is uh, I think it already makes the AFC way less interesting. So we went from having what, nine teams in the AFC competing for two playoff spots and the background Cameron's just choked <laughs> on his juice, I think, which is... Oh, I did. I took a sip of cider and it went up the back of my nose. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. He couldn't, couldn't last four sips. He's done. <laughs> he may be done for the season. We're not sure. Um, we'll get him an MRI. Um, and we'll get him checked out. We'll see if he can bounce back. Gordon, I mean, you're right. The AFC becomes a lot less interesting, and certain games become a lot less interesting. I mean, they waited till Aaron Rodgers signed with the Jets before they made all these big picks for, you know, Sunday night football, Monday night football, etc., etc. And okay, the Jets Cowboys will be interesting enough to watch on Sunday, but it's not going to be the same. That's for sure. No, it's it's interesting now from the perspective of. Shouldn't your TV to watch Zach Wilson get brutalized by the Cowboys defense in all likelihood? Yeah. The offensive line isn't particularly good, and Wilson isn't good at all. What I thought was really interesting from the Rogers stuff, though, was and I would I would assume this has come from him, but did you guys see the reports that came out about how 
You know, he'd actually told the offensive coaches that he didn't like these bootleg plays that were in there because it it put him in a it put him in a tough spot. Those stories came out like five hours after the after the game had ended or something like that. That's like that's someone texting journalists straight away being like, I told them, I told them I didn't want those plays in. <laughs> I, well, it was it was to do with cutting, wasn't it? He said he didn't want um Yeah, like a cut block by yeah. the lineman. And back David Bactiari was out quite quickly after that saying, I can't believe the Jets did that to Aaron. <laughs> and you're kind of like thinking, did he text David as well and get him to wade in on the issue? I don't know. The, the um sorry. The, the thing the thing that the thing that's different for Zach Wilson that he didn't have last season was he didn't have Aaron Rodgers through all the training camp and pre-season coaching them effectively as an extra coach or mentoring them. And there's been plenty of times in NFL history where quarterbacks have taken three or four years to finally kick into gear after being a high draft pick because something needed to change, like a different coach would come in, different offensive system, different players to play with. We don't know how much of an impact Aaron Rodgers being at the Jets has had in Zach Wilson. We don't know if his his game is going to be increased to a level where and remember the Jets have got a superb defence can they score 18 points on offence to the 14 that the Jets defence might concede that might be all Zach Wilson has to do, they might still be competitive the wide receiver core even that he's got, just there's footage come out of Fallon Lazard's like pointing out to him, you know, the weight's off your shoulders now. This is on them to do it. Even the people in his ear, there's, there's, a, much, there's a bit of positivity. And I guess it's going to be tough for the Jets not to just let their heads drop. Um, but they got the win, right? Now, that Aaron Rodgers played no part in that win, really. <laughs> like, he didn't. Zach Wilson got that win. No, no, no. The Russian performance was really good. Cornell Williams in defense was excellent as as expected. I'm not saying I'm not saying no, he's no, the no, reason the Jets no, won. No. But he there is he there is there is one that player, There is one player and one quarterback who deserves that win, and it's similar to how <laughs> Scotland's only shot on target against England came from Harry Maguire. Josh Allen won that game for the Jets. <laughs> That's what happened in that game. And Josh before before the Bills fans who listen get upset and go on rants about how the media don't like the Bills and all that stuff, Josh Allen's great. You'll still be good the rest of this year. That is one of the most bizarre reactions to what had happened in that game because after Aaron Rodgers goes down, if all Josh Allen does and all the Bills have Josh Allen do is turn and hand the ball off 60 times, the Bills win that game. Because Zach Wilson was not moving the ball enough to win. They had one drive where they, where they you know, were any good moving the ball. Just don't make stupid mistakes. It's really interesting how the EFCs get three real standout Super Bowl favourites with three superb MVP caliber quarterbacks and all three of them stunk and open at night. But in the NFC, all of the three favourites won quite well, with relative ease, uh, in effect, you would have said it was maybe been the opposite a way around of the conferences, but the AFC definitely looked a lot more shaky getting out the start blocks than the NFC did. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm just going to jump in uh, and say that one of the one of the Bills fans in our Patreon has in his in his rant this week has picked on Josh Allen. 
Uh, simply saying, so Jason Hoffman says, I'd love to know what goes on in his head. Everything is under control. The Jets lose their shiny new slash old star quarterback and the Bills have a lead. All they need to do is play smart football for two quarters and they win. And then Josh decides to just go mental. Josh Ball appears and everything goes to shit. Why, why, why? Does, has, has everyone here seen the the YouTube video of it's people playing World of Warcraft? And like Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, they, they talk yeah. up the plan. So they're talking up the plan. They're talking up the plan. They're like, does everyone understand? Oh, where's where's Leroy gone? And this guy just screams down his head. So Leroy Jenkins and sprints in and gets killed and they all die. That's a little bit like what Josh Allen does sometimes. <laughs> like most of the time he is, you know, just a step below Patrick Mahomes. He's that level of quarterback. But he does have those moments. And this game was a little bit like I remember early in his career. I think it was his first playoff game against the Texans. And he had a couple of those moments whereby, you know, he runs and just isn't carrying the ball the right way. And there's a wild fumble and all those things. So for whatever reason, just ball security just went out the window. Just take Jason to the side and say, listen, do you remember J.P. Losman? Do you remember Trent Edwards? Don't. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Don't don't worry about it. It's week one of the season. You'll be fine. They will. And the bill. And it's so. This is the mad thing, though, is you come out of that game, and which fan base really should feel better about the rest of the season? It's the Bills. Yeah. Because okay, you were bad, but all those bad things are fixable. You know, you're a good team. You know, you've got good coaches. You know, you've got a good quarterback. All that stuff. Your opponent who beat you. On a on a punt return at the end, they're without the quarterback. They gave up a lot for, and the Jets aren't making the playoffs now. They're maybe the seven seed if things go wrong for other teams, but they're, Zach Wilson's not a good quarterback, and he didn't look good in in the time he came in. The touchdown he threw was an incredible, like it was a it was a poorly thrown a end zone fade that Garrett Wilson did a tremendous job to take away from the defender and then catch himself. He's the, well, that, that, he's the that, guy that was... I feel sorry for, Garrett Wilson. Oh, yeah, Garrett yeah. Wilson has been shafted this season now. That was a catch for the ages. I think it's also worth pointing out that Gibson, with a with a punt return, you know, won the game for for the Jets. Would have been really interesting to see if he'd got stuffed to see if Zach Wilson could have moved the ball in overtime. And then, personally, I don't think he would have done. So you're looking at a different conversation. The Jets might have escaped. I mean. He's never won in overtime, Josh Allen. I think that's now 0-5. So there's obviously going to be a question there. I, I just wondered about some of the play calling on the Bills' side. It looked a bit mysterious to me, especially after two interceptions. Um, you rein them in, which I don't think they did. Um, the first interception, and somebody said it was roughly the same as a punt. That one I could probably forgive. But two of them were just absolutely weird. Um, so everything transpired. I think that the point comes back to what Gordon said about five or six minutes ago. The team, the person that won that game was Josh Allen for the New York Jets. And I think yeah. that's, we can move past that. So can let's I, move on to... Uh, no, well, Cameron, can, can, I, can I be permitted to have a, a, a slight rant of my own? Yes. I would like to rant against rain games. <laughs> okay. Because rain games... They're a bit like snow games. Absolutely horrible to watch. They completely mess up 
um, the form, they mess up the viewing experience. It looks miserable seeing rain tipping down. Um, especially, I mean, if it was on grass, you, you used to be able to get mud, and mud was fun because people would slide for for yards. But in AstroTurf, it, it just looks like it's like people are playing five asides and and I don't know the East End of Glasgow, but they put helmets on. It's it's terrible. I think they should ban rain games. It's no game when you first see it, you kind of go, "Oh, that's really exciting!" But ultimately, you know, you're not going to get the same experience as you would. Correct. Yes. Yes. I, rain I, games. As soon as you've seen a rain game, you're just like, "Oh." The monsoon game that the Bears and the Niners started off with last year was a, just a farce, um, and it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't show you anything true. I, and it's funny, like you know, the Bengals in in any of the rants or anything like that, the Bengals don't appear. The Browns don't appear in anybody's belters. That everyone's just kind of written off that cape altogether, which we're fine with. But I think you know, it's oh, a segue. Oh, definitely, we should be absolutely fine paying a quarterback as much money as you paid Joe Burrow for him to throw for eighty yards. It's fantastic. It's, it's right. Paid 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 forty dollar forty million dollars per completion. I've not looked at the numbers, so I've got no idea if that's actually. <laughs> I think you'll find being accurate. Also, it I'm was just, eighty-two yards. You're, oh, you're okay, selling good. them short, Gordon. I'm, selling I'm them getting, short. I'm getting my Bengals rants in now because next week I have a, I have a strong <laughs> suspicion I will not be able to make fun of the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we'll we'll get stuck into the belter and then we'll move on to team of the week. We'll end off with some of the other rants. I'm going through these in sort of alphabetical order as they appear. Um, so first up, we've got one nomination for the 49ers offense. Was going to nominate McCaffrey for landing my bet, but Ayuk, Pardy, C-McC, O-Line all played the part in absolute dominance. Brandon Ayuk gets one from Lee Kirkwood. Eight targets, eight receptions, two touchdowns. Can't argue with that. Uh, Stephen John gives his to Christian McCaffrey. Gave a highly rated Steelers D problems all day and the best RB performance of the week with a long touchdown to go with it. The Detroit Lions gets one from Johnny Bailey, written off by so many against the Chiefs. They look great and cause the upset. Garrett Wilson Wait, just gets... I, hang on. Can, can we take a pause for a second here? Because as this podcast... Is that and... tiny pause, Gordon? <laughs> All right, okay, yes, I've got small hands. <laughs> as, as this podcast resident Lions hater based on the fact that the Lions won a game I didn't think they would win and the Vikings lost a game they should have won, it now makes it, like if the Vikings lose this week, which they're playing the Eagles on Thursday night, they're already in a huge hole in that division because the the Lions play the Seahawks. So I'm potentially going to look very stupid. (laughs) And the Packers were potentially better. Yeah, but strong, strong in my conviction though, I didn't come away from that game against the Chiefs that impressed by the Lions. Like, I I think that's a game that if Kadarius Tony doesn't have cinder blocks for hands, hmm. probably doesn't go the way it goes. I think that's I think that's fair. I thought that the, the offensive line they were very good at moving the ball down the field. There and was, I, and actually, I did say this in our in our um, Patreon group. The one person who I came away really impressed with that I probably didn't give enough credit to last year is Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator. They they scheme things up very well on offense. Yeah, indeed. Um, the There's a whole bunch here for the Jets that I'll go through them all and I'll skip away from the alphabetical order just because it makes sense. Garrett Wilson gets one from David uh, Drybera. Uh, the catch, absolutely incredible. 
Uh, Gregor Dippy gives it to the Jets. After seeing the saviour of our team go down, they still managed to hold a strong defence and make some great plays on offence to win a miraculous touchdown return from the rookie Gibson, who we'll come to in a minute. Paul O'Shea gives it to the Jets. D, can't believe I'm nominating the Jets for anything, but it should have been lights out for them when Rodgers went down, but their D was outstanding, making the Bills and Josh Allen look very ordinary. Uh, Robert Sala gets one from Mark McEwen. Some player will probably get this, but his joy at the overtime punt return was magnificent. Uh, Jason Hoffman uh, gives it to the Jets. What an offseason. So much time, effort. Will he, won't he? Huge contracts, and the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl. And it lasted four plays with zero completions. So, so Jetsy. No one does fuck-ups better. Um, Say, the, says you know, says the fan of the team who got beat by them with yeah, the <laughs> Fair enough. Eddie Cassidy, the MetLife Stadium lighting engineers, after all the hype over the summer, given Aaron Rodgers a subjectively hilarious 2023 season and potentially Jets career highlight of him charging to the field, holding the stars and stripes aloft in the dark with a spotlight on him. We will always have that moment. Uh, and then there's a couple, three nominations from Steve Briggs, Peter Coyne, and Michael Donnelly, all for Xavier Gibson. Steve Bregg says, loads to choose from this week. Hills humbling off the Chargers D. Whitehead's three interceptions himself, earning the a very quick quarter of a million. But giving it to Xavier this week, not only to hear how Cam butchers this guy's name, I think you'll find I nailed it, much no, like you he didn't. nailed that. No, I, you didn't, because it's Gibson. I said uh, Gibson. Oh, I thought you said Gibson. I no. Because Gib- I was about Gibson. to say, Cameron, I've... has has everyone else got his name wrong and they're saying Gibson or you've got it wrong? Okay. Gibson, Gibson. I've got it written it... down in front of me. That's just bad enunciation I'll give you, but it's yes. not said incorrectly. Okay, oh, but, you, but, you're, but you're... That's pronunci- not going on the list. <laughs> your pronunciation of enunciation was terrible. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go back and listen to it. And if I've screwed it up, it'll go on the list. But anyway... All of those ones. Right. Other nominations. I am going to butcher one of these. Joe Stephen gives it to Kevin Harlan for the commentary masterclass he displayed during the Chargers-Dolphins game. Oh, he's got hell. He's got hell. Simply, he writes. Uh, Michael Parsons gets a couple. One from Long Callahan, one from Cameron Christie. Uh, Cameron says the ability to beat double teams and draw attention away from teammates to get pressure and sacks on top of his on top of this himself. He owned the Giants on Sunday night. One nomination from Sarah for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everyone had written them off to lose to the Vikings. I'd expected them to lose as well, but Baker and the Bucs D looked quite all right. I will live to regret saying this, but I don't think the Bucs will be as bad as everyone is expecting. I think she might be right. I, I think she might be right as well, based on that. I thought they, there was a lot to like there. Um, right, I might as well butcher this. Phil Spears, thanks, Phil. Puka Nakua. No, you got it. Nailed it. There you go. Have a look at the Pickums. The biggest one-sided selection was the Seahawks. Actually, absolutely superb debut from the young lad. Fair play to the Rams on getting the win. Anybody that plays fantasy football will have picked this guy up on the waiver wire. Um, Interesting to see how he continues, but he certainly looked apart. Played the Cooper Cup role absolutely beautifully. Then there is a, there's one nomination for Tyreek Hill from Brian Dandel. 200-plus yards and two touchdowns that contributed to the win. And then every other nomination is for Tua. Tagovailoa. And I think I said that right. I've been practising. Do you know know what's um, really interesting? If Tariq Hill keeps up this level of performance, he will amass 3,440 yards by the end of the season receiving. It's not bad. It's decent. It's possible. Um, There's about 12 different nominations for him. Um, 
Sean Purvis says, coming back from horrendous concussions last season to ball out in the opening week, led the way for top-tier quarterbacks. Uh, and then Stephen Bryson says, looked amazing in the top offense performance of the week. He looked better than Herbert, who he was drafted before. Um, so, yeah. Pro- probably the best game he's had in the NFL, I think. The- he's, did he not have a baller game week one last so, year as well? So, he did. And I think he's had more productive games. I don't know if it was week one. Um, but the some of the throws he was making on Sunday, like the point where he was releasing the ball, the receivers weren't open yet, and it was just like this. I know, I know, two is going to be free down there somewhere. Yeah, it, it, there was definitely a game. Uh, I can't remember who it was against, and they were just absolutely slinging it. And it was really early in the season because I remember it was Hill and Waddle just had an absolutely massive afternoon. So, who for you guys is your belter of the week? Paul, we'll start with you. It depends how you're going to class it. I mean, the, the best play of the week for me was the, oh, my God, from Gino Smith um, when he was getting closed down. I mean, that was, if that is his audio as his claim, it is something else. I think it is, but I think we are misunderstanding the meaning. So everyone has assumed it's, oh, my God, as in, like, oh, shit, here comes Aaron Donald. He's going to pick me up. He's going to smash me in the ground 18 times, and I'm not going to uh, play football again. I think what's happened is he's went, oh, my God, because his offensive lineman's been beaten so quickly and he's raging. Oh, really? Do you think so? Mm-hmm. That's what yeah, I think I mean, it is. It, it's, it's interesting either way, but what I think it shows for for his benefit is that he spotted it, he reacted to it, and he knew what was coming. Um, so I, th- I think you, whichever way you play it, he was at least quick enough to, to see it and spot it. Um <laughs> You're looking at Belters. I mean, two I thought was terrific in what was a shootout in a game that I think that was a free hit for Miami because you go on the road, you go on the road to the West Coast against a team that's got a very talented quarterback, the highest paid quarterback at the moment. And I just like the way that the Dolphins went about it. I think it's a free hit in week one and they went for it. Two looked good. Um, I think they tailored things nicely to him. So I was, I was highly impressed the Dolphins and I can't remember who nominated Kevin Harlan's call on the game was great as well he was clearly enjoying himself out there yes. my only, my only worry is, is the two is the Oleg Kuznetsov of the NFL and that he looked absolutely fantastic uh, in his uh, debut but um, he's about to play St. Johnson at some point and uh, a season ending injury is, is only a, a very strong tackle away it was the game against the Ravens last year in week two is where he played out. Sorry, he, it he wasn't also, He also had the, the Lions game mid, mid-season. Yeah. He had like um, 380 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I was looking if, at. I was so the, if I was the Dolphins, I'd be concerned about that defense giving up so many points to the Chargers. I think the Chargers are good. That Chargers offense, Austin Eckler and um, I think Keenan Allen. I think there's a here's, lot to like there. Here's the concern if you're the Dolphins. So I didn't like the trade at the time. I like it even less now. They traded for Bradley Chubb and they gave up a lot to get him. He's a good pass rusher. He's not a great one and they're paying him like a great pass rusher. That's going to impact their ability and is impacting their ability to re-sign Christian Wilkins long-term. Christian Wilkins who can be one of the most disruptive interior defensive linemen in football and also Jalen Phillips' contract is going to be coming up soon. You're already paying 
high for one edge player, are you going to be able to pay for a for a second one? So, yeah, yeah, it's going to it's going to be interesting. Can Miami keep this up? Um, obviously, that's the the interesting bit with two as well. Um, and as we get into week two, obviously the the continuation of that high performing offense against the Patriots is going to be harder. We saw that the Eagles started off brilliantly and then struggled for a bit against a Patriots team that under Belichick remains dogged. So uh, the, the, oh yeah, the Eagles, the Eagles start, game, but yeah, the, the Eagles game has to get put in a bit of context the same way as the Giants Cowboys game in that that the rain was so bad it kind of offset a few things. And you have to remember that. Bill Belichick had an entire off-season to plan for facing the, the Eagles and he ch- he changed things up. I think he played a five-man line, one linebacker, and it kind of confused things a little bit. Um, so you have to kind of take that with a, a, a pinch of salt. They still look yeah. prime for going nine and eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at some of the other storylines, Cameron, you know, I mean, we don't have Charles on the pod, but he would be telling us how wonderful Jordan Love was. But is the bigger storyline there how disappointing the Bears were? Gordon alluded to it. I think the Vikings' loss is a really, really bad one in that division. I think that's a real hit early doors. Um, the game, a couple of games that surprised me, I think the Rams coming back on the Seahawks, the Seahawks led that. And the Rams just somehow came back. I think we'd, a lot of us had written the Rams off. I thought, I, I thought the 49ers might get tripped up at the Steelers. Again, for one of the reasons that he said, you know, Mike Tom had a long time to plan for that game, to get it right, you know, to try and do a few things differently. Um, but I did something that none of you three did, and I sat through every snap of the Titans-Saints game, and it was dreadful, by and large. It was a dreadful game of football, dreadfully officiated as well. The Saints got away with some some stuff early doors for the first three quarters, obviously failed to pay the officials for all four, and then we're on the receiving end of some dodgy calls as well. Some dodgy play calling, I thought, by the Titans as well, who kick, decided kick to in, kick a field goal. Kicking that field goal is horrendous. Gordon, I was, I was jumping for joy when I, I saw wa- what they were doing. I, I wasn't because uh, I had... Uh, placed a redacted on this game and the redacted was uh three and a half points so i was i was on way to to do it all right and then that field goal happened and ruined it for me <laughs> i mean it it all but guaranteed the saints the win now you you could see he was putting in the hands of his defense and all that i just th- i just thought it was a really terrible terrible call terrible. yeah i uh so there's two Two players, two people, I think, who deserve, I think two are realistically deserves to to win Belter this week, but two people that I think probably deserve more of a shout. One, for all the talk of the Jets' defence, I thought Quincy Williams, the linebacker, not to be confused with Quinn Williams, the defensive tackle, had a phenomenal game. He had a couple of huge plays in coverage, really good tackling throughout the game, like nine tackles, didn't miss any. Um, seven of his tackles were defensive stops. Like they went after him a lot in coverage, and he he gave up seven catches, but for thirty five yards. So I thought he was great. And then on the Rams Seahawks one, Sean McVay with Tutu Atwell and Pukunakua as his top two receivers had them both put up one hundred nineteen yards. Not like 
That that's one of the best coaching jobs in Seattle. Been. In yeah. Seattle, which even when Seattle are bad, in Seattle they're not. <laughs> and this, so the the news that came out on Sunday that the Jets, when talks stalled with the Packers on Rodgers, went to the Rams to see about Stafford, and now people are saying, oh, you know, maybe they'll talk to them again. Maybe they'll maybe they'll trade for Stafford now. The the Rams are absolutely a contender for the six or seven seed in the NFC, so they shouldn't be they shouldn't be trading anyone. Nope, Cooper Cup will come back at some point. I, th- I think it's an absolute lock for Jordan Whitehead getting a hat-trick of interceptions. I mean, the very, very rare that's, that's ever happened. And he, he gets his roster bonus within, <laughs> what, one game? years of work, yeah. yeah. Never had three in a season before. Just just to come back to the Rams, I'll, I'll leave it another couple of weeks before before I make a judgment on them. I think they host the 49ers next week. They, they, you can, you can take, takes away. I mean, I'm surprised at Seattle. You know, are, are they going to be a lot worse than we thought? Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, the Broncos, I thought they blew it against the Raiders. Do you give Raiders credit for, for handling that game? I, I think we, we know an awful lot more in the second and third week, but there's certainly some interesting narratives have opened up already. Um, Anthony Richardson start for the Colts. I don't think we mentioned that. I didn't mention mention B. John Robinson's superb touchdown as well for the Falcons. He he moves, like, there's no running back in the NFL right now that moves the way he does. Some of the missed tackles he was forcing in that game, he's just, I don't even know how to describe how he moves compared to other people. Like, other running backs cut to avoid people, and it's this, like, almost quite elongated, you know, leg goes out and they get low. He just seems to be able to go, like, in a straight line, but do a little shoulder shake, and all of a sudden the defender has, like, passed through his body and is on the, on the other side of him. I don't know if it's a word, but balletic. He, you know, he, he just has that movement and that ease of grace, um, which is absolutely incredible to watch. Uh, he'll be on Dancing with the Stars in America come the close season just for the way he moves. I think we also have to give a, a very kind of quick mention at Jalen Carter and his debut as well. He was phenomenal for the, the Eagles and limited snaps. You're talking about Aaron Donald level of potential. He was like one of the quickest yeah. uh, defensive tackles off, the, off the, the start for like the past five or six years. Lots of people that can deserve this. For Belter of the Week, though, I feel like it's down to two because I feel like Jordan Whitehead did do something that isn't done very often. Um, the most interceptions any player's done in a game is four. And that's only been done once or twice in the modern era. Um, so is it Jordan Whitehead or is it Tua Tackle by Loa? Are we allowed to guess who might have got four interceptions in a game? Or we get... <laughs> if you want to have a guess, the last time it was done was 2010. Oh, 2010. I was going to say. So it was done in 2010, 2001, 98, 85, 78, 73, bunch of times in 64, 62, 61, three times in 1960. I think two players that have done it are Night Train Lane and Paul Krause, maybe. I'm going to say 20. No, it's, it's too late for him. Lane and Krause are not on the list. What? Cameron, tell me it's somebody called McFadden because I want McFadden or Whitehead. Ain't no stopping us now. There is nobody McFadden. Obscure musical reference for you. Sam, Sammy Baugh. Uh, are you going for the fours? There's no Sammy Baugh. 
So I think we should try and get the 2010 one though. So the guy who popped into my head was Asante Samuel, but I think it's too late for him because I think he was retired by then. Yeah, last player to do it. Four interceptions. Also had seven tackles in that game. Uh, and one of his interceptions, was he returned for a touchdown. He... Talib? Nope. Uh, Talib would have been... Would Talib be playing in 2010? Yeah, he probably would have. So. Yeah. yeah, he would have. Because actually in twenty in 2009, Talib got three. But no, he's not had four. I was, I was going to say, is it players that are known? But you don't know any players. He is. He, so I was going to say to you, he's a player that I know because he was an aggressive, a very aggressive uh, cornerback. I would almost say, no, I was going to say Jalen Ramsey-like, but he's not. He's played... I mean, Pac-Man Jones level of aggressive in strip clubs. I, I, <laughs> I, I, for me, I always associated him as a hard-hitting tackler, really hard-hitting, like sometimes overly hard. Um, maybe I have the wrong. Maybe I'm sending you down the wrong because I. Let's be honest, I've not got the greatest of opinions at times with these things. It's not Antoine Winfield, is it? It is not Antoine no, Winfield. I think it's too late for him as well. Played for Washington. Can't really. Nope. It sounds like he could be related to someone that we're not particularly fond of on this podcast. Somebody Parson. <laughs> oh, it's really quite bad that I was going to make the same joke and you just... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great. We've now got Lionel Blair hosting the podcast. Sounds like it's a play. It might be. Just tell us who it is. D'Angelo Hall. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That hard-hitting, overly aggressive pair. Yep. Yeah, yep. D'Angelo Hall against the Bears. Um, we'll not go through the rest, because I'll be honest, I'm struggling to n- recognise. Well, I, d- I, d- I don't know. I mean, there might be a difficult pronunciation in there to add to the list. <laughs> Look, um, he, nailed, he nailed Hall. Let's just move on. Who's it going? Jordan Whitehead, Tua. I vote for Jordan. Hall. I've changed my mind. I'll go with Jordan Whitehead, given the fact that it's so unusual. I am also going to go Jordan Whitehead because I think that three interceptions against one of the top QBs, even though he went nuts, uh, is impressive. And I think we've seen more from Tua. And I think that Tua might still get into the next section, which is the team of the week. So, Belter of the Week, congratulations to Jordan Whitehead. Um, Team of the Week then, let's start a quarterback. Is it Tua? Is there any other quarterbacks should be in that conversation? Probably not. Move on. Let's go to so, like, we probably should do, like, a little bit of quarterback discussion, though. So, Stafford was good, but didn't throw enough touchdowns. So, yeah. didn't throw any touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> was probably better than I expect him to be. Trevor Lawrence was really good in the second half, I think, but not very good in the first. Um, yeah, I mean, outside of that, I think it's too... Oh, actually, if Brock we're talking about, talking about quarterbacks, I do need to hold my hands up. Brock Purdy was better than I expected. Yeah, he was better than I expected. I had some nice throws. I watched Red Zone, uh, and every time it cut to the Niners game, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be an interception. And it wasn't. It just kept passing really well. I'm sure you'll have some wobbles. But, yeah, good to see that he he came back and had a good first game. So, long may it continue. Um, right, two is in at quarterback. Running back, is it Aaron Jones? Or is it anyone no. else? Uh... Aaron Jones, because of the dual threat, because of what he offered to Jordan Love. I, I would I would probably go for either McCaffrey or Brees Hall. Oh, Brees Hall. Yeah, good yeah, point. Brees Hall, Hall, was... Hall is going to get knocked out. 
because this is a particular bugbear of mine. He's a long run and he didn't finish. And oh, God, God, that's, so many. That, I'm not, I know, back no, from no, an ACL no. injury. I know, I, I know, God, but hear me out. A lot of times when teams don't finish, they end up getting down close and they end up settling for a field goal. I hate it when that happens, especially when somebody's trying to return like a, an interception or a fumble and they get caught. And he didn't, he didn't take it all the way. And that's his job. He, he should be able to do that. So I'm, I thought he was great, but no, because he didn't, uh, he didn't force that run in. Yeah, he didn't get a lot of help from his blockers, one of whom had started to celebrate before he realised that there were still bills in the area. So, yeah, I think that's a little bit unfortunate. Uh, I mean, Eckler did well. Um, Certainly the game I watched, there was nobody going to trouble the scorers as far as we're concerned about that. Um, Yeah. I mean, Aaron Jones is a decent shout. Aaron Jones had 86 yards receiving and a touchdown and 41 yards on the ground and a touchdown. I just Christian, think he was important. Christian McCaffrey ran for 152 yards against a very good Steelers defense. I, I get that. I get that. He had one big play and he saw it out. Um, I'm trying not well, to be a homer, but... What we think is a very good Steelers defense, it certainly didn't look that way on Sunday. Yeah. Kind of slipping under the radar, Josh Kelly played really well as well, getting eight first downs and mm-hmm. a 5.7-yard kind of... Uh, carry average and somebody that's maybe not, not been talked about at all in NFL circles. Nick, Nick Chubb probably the reason that the, the Browns were the offense that were able to get it going in that horrible rain game. Yep. Yep. I think, I think he's got to, go, got to go for McCaffrey, I think. Fine. I've, I've been sold over to McCaffrey as well. It was a tremendous touchdown and he saw it through. So, fine. Yeah, you're, McCaffrey so, you're, so, back. you're so big man when it's Cameron <laughs> reluctantly accepting a 49ers player getting an award. <laughs> now we need an O-line to play in front of these guys because they need protection. Cowboys. And do we just kill this? Well, is it is it not the Detroit Lions? No, it's the Cowboys. It's the Cowboys. It's Cowboys. All right, okay, fine. I, I will say as well, I thought this was a pretty poor week overall for run blocking in the NFL. There were like and there was a Wyatt Taylor highlight pancake block about 20 yards downfield for the Browns. Other than that, I don't think I saw any highlight reel blocks being shared on Twitter. Um, and when I was looking into like PFF grades on uh, run blocking, it was a, a very, very down week. But the Cowboys blocked pretty well and pretty much shut out the Giants in pass protection as well. Well, a good part of that is probably because the Majority of offensive lines don't really play in preseason, and they weren't yeah. run blocking. Okay, uh, we've got the Cowboys' offensive line though. Tight end, Paul. Any particular tight end stand out? Uh, yeah, I have the, to the say, answer, no. the answer is no. They were all shit. Yeah, actually, I was going to say. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an out of the box suggestion here. The reports are is that after trying to get her number. Travis Kelsey has been hanging out, and this is from this is from the this is from the the Twitter account Popbase uh, has been hanging out with Taylor Swift. No other tight end was really particularly impressive this week. If if Travis Kelsey is hanging out with as pals, if he's dating Taylor Swift, I don't know that we saw a better performance this week. Uh, I, especially given that he isn't an overly attractive man, I don't think in the grand scheme of things. What I who, think, who, tra- Travis what? Kelsey or Taylor Travis, Swift? Uh, Travis Kelsey, sure. I think in the tight end, the tight end good look ranking. I, I don't know that he's top three. Cameron, I, I 
don't want to upset you here, but if your good wife happened to see Travis Kelsey and you stand next to her, she would see, this... I'll be honest, she would see the two earrings and she'd be like, nah, nah, not for me. Yeah, but, do you um... know what? Do you know what, Cameron? I, I'd say the same thing if I, if someone positioned this for me and, and, and my better half. So good, good for you for saying that. It's not true, <laughs> but good for you. TJ Hawkinson, I... perhaps. Are we talking about the good-looking ranks or performances of the weekend? Well, he's probably got longer hair than Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> so no, I, no, I would have thought no, just... tight, no tight end this week had more than fifty-six yards. Yeah, yeah. It, it was not. It was not a great week. There is no doubt. Uh, Taylor Luan basically played as a tight end. Uh, does he get a nomination? Who? No. Didn't, ta- <laughs> didn't Taylor Luan retire? See, not the the Titans offensive tackle that's yeah, partial sports, yeah. and he announces retirement like pregame. Who are you? Who are you thinking of? I would just cut that bit. Um, no, 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 no. I'm intrigued now. I'm intrigued. Who who are you on about? Who am I thinking? Let me just figure this one. Out. This will get get edited out, so it's fine. Uh, Is it Taysom Hill? Do you mean Taysom Hill? No, I don't. Uh, Do you mean Alan Ricard, the Ravens fullback, because he played as a tight end this week? No. It was an offensive lineman. Joanne Taylor! Oh, that was a fucking good joke, Cameron. You've ruined it. <laughs> that was such a good joke, and you've absolutely ruined it. Now, you oh. can get why Taylor Luan and um, Joanne Taylor. I can't act. Oh, that is an all-time fumbling of the bag. That was a, that that would have been one of the best jokes. And actually, I'm really annoyed because I'd made a note to try and remember about how far back he was lined up. And God I totally forgot it. about it. You had the joke right there, and you've absolutely ruined it. And now now you're going to have to leave this whole bit in because everyone's gonna need, it, everyone deserves to hear the shame of you getting that wrong. Damn it. Damn it. Ah, oh, I've I never mind. Right, we'll move on. You, you, you never worry about a performance in week one of a regular season podcast. I think no. it's an outlier. Um, so I think I think we'll all come back on week two. We'll be better. We'll be better prepared. We're back into oh. the swing of things, and uh, we've not lost Charles through a ruptured Achilles or anything like that. He's in Stenhouse Muir, so we might He's have lost him altogether. <laughs> That, that, that's another story, and we'll find out next week. Anyway, <laughs> anyway how about Hunter Henry for tight end? He had 50 oh, yes. yards, five yeah, yeah. It's more than anyone else. None of them were particularly good. He was the best of a bad lot. Yeah, I, I, he was the one, that, and he actually contributed something significant to that game to help them kind of get back into it. Fine, okay. We need to pick three wide receivers then. Uh, and this is typically very easy to just look at the stats and say, oh, that person... I Ty- think that Ty- Ty- Tyreek definitely. Yes, yeah. I-, I think Hill has to be in there, right? Definitely. Um, right. Will- Wilson's your second one for that catch. I agree because it was such a dreadful throw. He was quite happy just to try and knock it down. I, I- and t- to come away with the six points was outstanding. So I think I think that's a no brainer as well. Anyone else that gets in on this? Who's our third man? I I I thought Olave for the Saints was really good. Really good. Yeah. Um, well enough, that was. I was just going to suggest there wasn't a lot of highlights in that particular game, but he looked good. He ran great routes. Yeah. Um, Thomas being there as well, I think helps as well because you've got that the more of more of a realistic double threat. I think Alavi's turning out to be a really good pickup for the Saints. Um, didn't score a touchdown because it's the same with the 
the boy at the Rams, you know, you could make a very good case for Bu- uh, Puka Nakua. Um, if it, if it but was he didn't a, score a touchdown. If it's just a first half award, then Calvin Ridley would win it hands down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's superb in that first half. He had a great game and good to see him back. The, I mean, Brandon Ayuk, eight, yeah, eight I'd receptions. Actually, I, Ayuk would be would be on on my team because it wasn't like they were good good receptions. Is is route running is phenomenal. I, he is a sneaky sneaky player to put himself into that top five wide receivers in the NFL this season. The the way yeah. he played, I, he probably won't get enough volume throughout the entire season to to justify that statement, but. He is he's really good at a lot of the a lot of the kind of unseen things with wide receivers in terms of how he gets open and stuff like that. 129 yards and two touchdowns. I think it was the second touchdown that he just managed to grab it away. Uh, one thing I'm going to actually come back to that it's just flashed into my memory. The one bit of Brock Purdy play that I thought showed an excellent head on him for a young player was when he fumbled the ball but managed to put their hands behind his back and grab onto it while TJ Watt was clawing at him. I was like, do you know what? Fair play. That was a lovely, well-thought-through little movement, uh, and well done to him for that. Right, okay, fine. TJ TG Watt was unblockable. At yeah, he was a game. monster. He was he's, superb. Um, he, he's, I, I really like watching him play, I'll be honest. I can watch, enjoy watching him play the rest of the season, which is great, because I don't have to come up against the Niners again. Right, team of the week. Tua, uh, behind the Cowboys offensive line, he's got Christian McCaffrey as his running back, he's got Hunter Henry as his tight end, and he's got Tyreek Hill, Garrett Wilson, and Brandon Ayuk as his wide receivers. That is the Shramash Team of the Week for Week 1. Musical Sting! We said that we would talk about rants as well to close this off, so that's exactly what we're going to do. One of the things that's come up, and I want to just get thoughts on this, because I think this is something we've probably touched on before, but it's something that we get, I think, in Scottish football uh, and other sports, which is around... Great, tur- great disappointment. Absolutely. Turf. We'll not talk about the game. Turf. AstroTurf. Uh, and whether it causes more injuries or not. Now, whenever there's a significant injury like Aaron Rodgers, there's always a bunch of people come out, including players, that are calling and shooting down the AstroTurf pitches. Um. Do in the Amer- in American football do we think that AstroTurf pitches are a problem, or do we think that this is a misconception because there's a extra focus on these things when they happen on these pitches because there are naysayers? I think they have to do a proper study into it and look at the actual results of the study. We don't want a sensible answer. God damn it! It's not what this podcast is about. What's your uh, opinion? I hang on. Uh... I I think that injuries more often than not are bad luck. J.K. Dobbins played on grass and tore his Achilles. Same with yeah, like the, the the worst injuries in NFL history, like Joe Feisman, etc. They all happened in grass. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't I don't think turf's the difference between a broken leg <laughs> or, or otherwise. Like, <laughs> but the, the the soft tissue stuff, like the ACL tears and stuff like that. The argument is basically that grass has more give in it. Which it does, right? It definitely does. And you can see that even in like Scottish football, that certain players will opt out of playing on astral pitches because of knee injuries and things like that. It doesn't happen to a lot of people, but there is the odd player will choose to opt out of it. Um, 
the old, the old the old astro pitches, which was just the snooker table covering over concrete, those were dangerous. Those caused injuries. The newer ones are completely different. If anybody's played five sides on them, it's just the exact same kind of concept. It doesn't actually feel that bad to be playing uh, football on. I used to play on the AstroTurf pitches, which was sand-based. Um, and it had the same kind of felt that you stuck up that people put oranges on in the supermarket on display. Um, and those were ridiculously dangerous. But the new ones, I don't think they're, they're that that bad. Right, guys, I'm going to quote you something here. This, this comes from ESPN. The new playing surface at MetLife Stadium is receiving positive reviews after the New York Giants and New York Jets played on it for the first time last weekend. A new field turf core system was installed earlier this year. That is a quote from the 23rd of August, 2023. So it's a brand new field. Yeah. So and, And it received positive reviews from both sets of players. So... It's one of the more modern surfaces that we're talking about, as opposed to some of the older surfaces that you know are basically a bit of green painted on concrete. It comes down to, and it's not a player decision, it's a stadium decision, it's an ownership decision, what you want to do with that. If you're going to have events and lots of events in there, you cannot have a grass surface unless you can wheel it out like you do in Arizona. It just ain't going to happen. It's always going to be field turf because you can use the venue more. We, we could discuss what's better for players, but that is actually not the discussion. Here, it's what's better for the team in making money. And if by making money, you're putting some of your best assets at risk of higher injury, then they will tell you that is the cost of doing business. Any player in any of these sports will tell you they would want to play on grass. And it's a decision that's actually above the playing level. We could debate it all day long. I think we I mean, pretty much know so what the, the answer is. Yeah, yeah. Players definitely want to play on grass. Uh, the interesting thing, I saw Lauren Steins tweeting about this today, is that if every NFL stadium went to grass, he would expect that the league-wide um, field goal uh percentage percentage goal, would yeah, drop yeah to drop by five to seven yeah. percent because obviously there's you know there's issues and stuff that happen there but the the ravens moved back from turf to grass a few years ago obviously justin tucker's different kicker so it doesn't really impact him a ton but like i said still had a like they had like four players go down with long-term injuries this week but like I said, though, do the NFL should it, it is worth it should look into it. Yep. to do yep. a proper study into it. I definitely agree. Definitely agree. It's funny we had real differing opinions in the rants. Some people ranting saying this is a ridiculous story. Some people ranting saying get rid of these pitches, and some people ranting saying I'm sick of both sides of this. But I just want to do a proper study. So genuinely, they're like, what we want is something concrete. Well, we don't want something concrete. We just touched on that. <laughs> I think actually, I think that the more prevalent study that they would look into is is there more concussions on field turf because of the hard surface underneath the actual turf rather than in grass. That's probably where the more concern is for the NFL. But I, I think to answer your your question, with every reiteration of artificial turf, be it field turf, call it what you want, 
every manufacturer comes out with the same thing. This is safer than what came before. This is going to reduce injuries. They acknowledge that artificial surfaces cause more injury. So, for example, the pitch that's just been put down at MetLife, the field turf, their description is multi-layer dual polymer monofilament fibre. The heavyweight infill design claims to deliver a lower incidence of total injuries compared to various other infill weights. Every single manufacturer of field turf is obsessed with reducing injuries because they know it causes injuries. You can go for whatever study you like, but all of them come down to that when they're trying to sell their product to say, this is as safe as it's going to get for artificial. And basically what that means is it's never going to be as safe as grass for the overall impact injuries. The contact injuries, I think Ian's right, it can happen on, on any surface. But I think it's some of the softer tissue injuries and things like that. Field turf are always going to cause more, but this is a business decision. We could talk about it till the cows come home. They prefer natural grass, by the way. But it's just, it's not, it's not a decision for the players. It's a decision for the stadiums. Paul, we, you're, I, Paul, Paul you're revered, cherished, beloved as the nation's most uh, widespread and varietyful commentator. Uh, you know all your sports. You can give us a different... all right. You went widespread in the amount of sports he covers. Yeah. It's like so you can give us you can give us the the definitive answer in this. Grass or turf snooker. I think grass is underrated in snooker. Ian. <laughs> I would love to see snooker played on a grass table. That'd be amazing. If it's, cut, it. if it's cut properly, why not? I want to um, see. I want to see lawn bowls in the snow. Oh, what lawn bowls then? Actually, that's the lawn bowls, grass or turf. What's better? Well, it depends on where on where you are. And I'm, I mean, I could bore people stupid with this. Artificial tends to run faster, and it's easier to look after. Grass is a better surface to play on uh, if you if you prefer the variety. The indoor stuff tends to be on the carpet, and that is a little bit more predictable depending on how it's been laid. So, But I think just, just to jump to the NFL thing, it's the same with Scottish football. You ask any Scottish Premiership player, they want to play on grass. It really is that simple. They don't want these artificial pitches. Um, I think clubs have got more money coming in than they've ever had, arguably, yet we cannot have proper grass pitches in Scottish well, football. The proper, I the think that's wrong. The proper question for the players, Paul, is do you wish to play on grass? Or do you wish to get paid every week? I, exactly. Every single, every single one of them is going to, because it's Hamilton Ackies, a club who don't have many fans. And if one game goes off, the, the reason why clubs fail is because they're not, they don't have liquidity. They don't have the money in their bank account to go and pay to the players or the creditors. And there's so many clubs that live week by week, week by week, week by week. Levy are another example of that. Come on, maybe not so much. They're a bigger club. But if any time matches are cancelled, it's not necessarily the, the supporters. It's the food they've already paid for. And it's the hospitality that's already, uh, they've already shelled out for and they lose the money from that. And it, it for Obviously, the NFL and Livingston Football Club are not in comparison yes. financially. Uh, although Livingston are actually linked with American owners today, interestingly oh, enough. Yes, they are. All oh, right, okay. But it comes it comes down to the same thing, Ian. It's a business decision. So yeah. we could talk about this. No, I agree. With, I agree with you. 100%. It's purely a purely a business decision. Yeah, 
Uh, it's an interesting debate and one I reckon we'll continue to have until the study is completed and then people will question that anyway. So, fine. Okay. Final thing I'll cover on on the rants, I think. Yeah, Cameron Christie calls it uh, red zone crashing and then them refusing to acknowledge it. I want to ask this as the final well, question. On, 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 you're talking about the zone. Does anybody else get just random numbers appearing from time to time on the screen? Yeah, like that, some, that some... is. It must be to stop people sharing stuff. I yeah, think it's somebody yeah, just yeah, entered yeah. the login clue code and forget to press clear <laughs> the, the the last question i'm going to ask is right between us uh, an older word we used to do that we stopped doing because it ended up getting a little bit like yeah social issues and all of those sorts but this is safe bob Agger of the week right because there's three nominees uh we'll talk about each and then you can tell me who's the biggest bob Agger. let's start off dk metcalf he's yeah, been I, honestly, mentioned I he has bet, been I mentioned money money Desperate. As soon as I saw that, I was like, Cameron's going to be sitting rubbing his hands. Absolutely right. Absolutely Bob Ag play. But you you being desperate to talk about this was an I've absolute just, stick I've on. just said absolute I, stick on. I could show you my screen. DK Metcalf showing no, up as even more of a dick than normal. Right. We saw your screen. So he's nomination number one. Nomination number two. Uh, by the way, I don't think DK Metcalf is going to win it. Nomination number two is Kadarius Tony. Uh, no hate towards him for his performance on Thursday. He had an off night and he did not deserve the abuse he was getting online. This comes from Paul Marnie, and I agree with Paul Marnie. But to delete your social channels, only to then reactivate them to stick it to the Giants fans that, after they got stuck and then delete them behavior. again. <laughs> Sorry, that's that's belter behavior. That's not ball bag behavior. That is the right type of nonsense. That's I was terrible at the weekend, <laughs> but you know what? Yous were somehow worse. I'm logging back on. I'm going to tell you, get it right up, yous, and then I'm logging back off again. That's tremendous. <laughs> right, the last one. Um is the people in the bar in Wisconsin that was giving away free drinks anytime the Jets lost. So they cheered and ran up a massive bill while watching Monday Night Football and then had to pay for all their drinks because the Jets actually won. So Bob Ags of the Week, Bob Ags of the Week, DK Metcalf, Kadarius Tony, or all the people in that Wisconsin bar that were cheering the Aaron Rodgers injury and thinking they were getting a bunch of free drinks at the expense of this bar. Never cheer injuries because it always comes back to bite you in the arse. Yeah. Any Anyone else got anything to add there? Is it a clear winner? A bar full yeah. of Wisconsin Packers fans. <laughs> I mean, Gordon makes an interesting point, but when the injury comes back to bite you on the arse, is it a sore injury on turf or is it a sore <laughs> injury on grass? Sore injury, this... sore injury in your back pocket for those fans. <laughs> yeah, they deserve it. Never, never cheer injuries. I, I just, I just thought you know, I, I refereed a rugby match at the weekend and I had to yellow card a player um, for um, basically threatening language not towards me, and so I, so I put out the yellow card. And I turned, as I was putting it away, three of the players on the opposition team cheered the fact that I showed a yellow card. So I picked the middle one and yellow carded them as well for unsportsmanlike behaviour. That is, that oh, is man. Back. That's No, I, I changed my answer. <laughs> oh, back of the week. Paul Mitchell wins <laughs> the week is yeah, Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell. Bloody hell. You, 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 jobs you, worth. 
You cannot cheer an opposition player getting a yellow card. You just cannot do that. That is, just, that is they were just delighted. To, they, they just realised who it was that was refereeing their game. Somebody went, "Look, it's Paul Mitchell." And they all went, "Yay!" And then yeah, you sent him off. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I can assure you that was not the case. <laughs> Right, can I, can I let's, just, sorry. Yeah, so it's it's unrelated. It's a different sport, but the conversations between the referee and the TMO during the Rugby World Cup is absolutely fascinating, and it would be great if other sports, including American football, really kind of ratcheted up because you it goes to that mystery kind of place now in the NFL headquarters where they they, they start reviewing decisions and. Um, it would be really good for like football as well. I think football's too close-minded for it, but um, rugby really is leading the way with transparency when it comes to um, officiating decisions like that. So well done to them. Yeah, if only they could get it right and be consistent, but that's another story altogether. I, I, we'll leave that I, for another podcast. I think in rugby, the difference as well is they don't tend to get the same level of hate that you get. I could be wrong, but you don't tend to get the same level of hate you would get from American football and our football fans. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, right, we need to very quickly touch on week two, some of our headlines. We will talk about this in depth a bit more at our live event at Top Golf this Sunday. Uh, we hope to see you there if you're coming along. Information on that one, doors will open at half past three. The event space will open at four. The show will start at 20 past four. So make sure that you're in in plenty of time. Get your beers, get yourself seated. We've got a bit of a show. We've got former Scottish Claymore, former Chicago Bear, because he played for them in the preseason. Scott Cooper is coming along to join us. We're going to have a bit of a chat with him. Uh, we're also going to have another mystery guest that we can't determine who it is because Ian won't tell us. Is it Aaron Rodgers, Ian? That would be lovely if I had the finances available to be actually afford him. <laughs> don't, you don't need money. Just go out into the nearest woods, find some mushrooms. <laughs> make, make a cave. Yeah. <laughs> grind them up. You know, give them three to four days to see what happens when he takes them and then and he had a he had a fever dream that he was doing a live show in Glasgow at a top golf it just oh, it was all part of the experience it's fine just ignore it right uh, week two what are the the games that are you're most excited about let's just touch on that I think Thursday night football will be interesting with the Vikings and Eagles uh, I'm interested to see how the Packers do travelling to the Falcons I think that's quite an interesting one Bills do need to bounce back uh, but unfortunately for Gordon, I think one of the best games at six o'clock is Ravens Bengals. I don't think it is anything encounter. I don't think it is anymore. I this the, the 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 injuries the Ravens have, coupled with the fact that the Bengals are home opener and are going to have to prove something after a horrible showing against the Browns. I won't be disheartened if the Bengals win this by fourteen or more. I, I I don't think you'd be disheartened. I just think it's going to be a really interesting. I don't think it will. Game. I think I think the Bengals win the blowout. I I honestly don't well, think it's going to be remotely interesting. I, I, I just in terms of if storylines and interesting development, I'm, I'm interested to see mention this earlier how the Rams do against the 49ers. That's going to be an interesting one. I think we've had the Cowboys Jets. Gordon mentioned Chief, it earlier, but I think Chief that's for Jaguars. the wrong Chief, 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 Chief Jags is a good one. That's, yeah, that's the good one. Chief Jags, yeah. That, can you, can you imagine? Can you imagine the amount of speculation and hyperbole there would be if Kansas City dropped to zero and two? 
and, yeah. they, and they could because the could. Jaguars, Jaguars are, are good. Enough enough Trevor Lawrence looks like he's a fantastic quarterback. It's in it's in uh, the heat of and humidity of Florida, so yeah, it could be interesting. Um, there, there's a. It's funny. There's a lot of games on paper feel like they could be one sided. Lions Seahawks, I think, is interesting because uh, what are the Lions? Uh, was that a fluke? Are the Seahawks as bad as they looked in week one? There's a bit of a question mark to be answered there. Bills, Raiders. Bills need to bounce back. They probably will, but the Raiders actually looked decent. Uh, Jimmy G had them moving well. Jacoby Myers, he had a massive game, actually. He didn't even get a mention. Uh, had he not been taken out of the game, he could well have been in our team of the week. What are the Raiders all about? Titans Chargers is interesting, I think, as well. Obviously, the Titans lost out. There's some bad coaching there. The Chargers lost out. Both need to get their seasons back on track. Both have some exciting players. Uh, so that's a good game. Cardinals, Giants. I think the Cardinals could give them a game, the Giants. Uh, we talked about this no. being a terrible no. season, but the Cardinals were better than I expected them to be against the Commanders. Mm. At, at the no. Giants, the Giants will win that game. Okay, Comfort- Fine. comfortably, surely, Fine. sure. If if the Giants don't win that game comfortably, then Jamie Borthwick's not going to bother coming back from the south of France. <laughs> Texans Colts, obviously interesting. I thought the Texans for a bit of that game against the Ravens looked as though they were looking pretty decent, and the Colts. Again, looking decent. I don't know if Richardson's... It, it was questionable, so we you know, will need to you know, wait and see if he's playing. But... What was really interesting is that every single one of the rookie quarterbacks that started lost. They all looked pretty good, but they all lost. <laughs> and th- th- that's something you're going to have to eat uh, when you're bringing in a, a... Well, usually the teams that draft the rookie quarterbacks are rubbish anyway to start with, but yeah. it, it doesn't guarantee immediate success to bring in a, a, a highly touted rookie. Stroud got Stroud got battered in that game, um, and the worst of it was when, so the Texans lost their who was their starting right tackle in that game, guy called George Fant, and he got replaced by the the backup, but really the third string because Fant was replacing Titus Howard, um, who's on injured reserve just now. So it was like a backup guard moved to tackle. He gets out there for a snap. Uh, David Ojabo beats him and. Uh, forces the fumble in the sack. Uh, so Stroud got hit a lot in that game. I thought all three of the rookie quarterbacks, I don't think any of them played well, but I think they all had some nice moments. Like Stroud actually hung around a bit considering how badly he was getting beaten beaten up. Bryce Young's touchdown to Hayden Hurst was like kind of throwing the ball off his back foot on like a kind of quick throw that was really nice. And, you know, Richardson had his flashes. It's we, so interesting. We, oh, do you know what? The one thing we haven't talked about is the new international player changes oh, yes. that they've made. Yes. So the NFL will expand practice squads to, uh, for all 32 teams in 2024 to include one international player, helping create more opportunities for talented athletes from around the world um, to be identified and developed. So it doesn't necessarily go into any kind of rules here. I think one of the questions that you raised, first of all, Ian, was about international players versus dual citizenship players. They did that with the NFL Europe. They, they basically brought across Americans and pretended that they had some form of nationality and it felt a bit cheap because part of the excitement of the first couple of seasons, the Claymores, was you had Scott Cooper and you had Gavin Hastings and they were Scottish people and they were very popular. 
Um, and it kind of felt a bit tarnished. But the reality of what's going to happen is half those international players will be Nigerian because the amount of success they've had with Nigerian players. But yeah, it's 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 a good step forward, right? And it's good to have a pathway. This is now creating and extending the pathway from, say, the NFL Academy down in London. Those players can go and play college football. And actually, if they're decent enough, they can go and end up in a practice squad and continue to develop. So they're, they're, they're bringing this forward in steps. It feels thought through and it feels planned, which is great to see. So the only, I celebrate it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. Only, as long as it's executed, right? Yeah, the only thing I would say about it is I, I wonder if this is a bit of a kind of nominal move when actually the real success is going to come from the the academy and all those things and stuff like that, because that's where David Ojabo came from. So he isn't an international pathway player. He went from Scotland to high school in the final year in America, got his Michigan scholarship, went to the NFL. Um, Dan Whelan, the, who's with the Packers, Irish guy, um, like now they're starting punter. I'm pretty sure he was a he was a college player in the US as well. So like the actual better pathway for these players is probably is probably going through that academy and getting a, a scholarship in college and working your way up that way. I, we've seen this in the past. It's very very difficult for um like players to go in in their early twenties to an NFL team and try and pick things up because there's so much that goes into the game mentally that's really difficult. Whereas if you get players that go in in college and you get that kind of learning of the game over three, four years, you're going into the NFL a knowledge base that's just so much higher than it would be just yeah. going straight in. Well, the, yeah. the, the alternative also is just all the Australians coming over to be punters because of their background were Aussie rules. The one thing that's quite interesting was... I'm, I can't remember exactly who the team was, but they were talking about the kicker they'd brought in that was from the USFL, but he'd actually started off being a, a major league soccer yeah. draft first round draft pick. And you think, especially for players that are goalkeepers, that would be a really good kind of pathway because they'll have the leg for kicking. And it would be a good opportunity for them to kind of get into the NFL. But if you're a talented goalkeeper, would you rather be an NFL kicker or get the chance to play our football professionally? It's getting those players at such a young age that 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 you can convince them that that is their career path rather than turning out for a professional soccer side. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's Brandon, Brandon Aubrey, right? The the one that you're talking about, Brandon Aubrey, that was he was a Toronto player, um. And he's now the kicker for the Cowboys. Yeah, at twenty eight years old, and, and he and he missed he missed like his first kick, didn't he? Yeah, he missed an early one. Can I just say I don't think this is going to make a damn bit of difference if the player's good enough; they're going to find a way through. I just don't. I just think this doesn't actually make a heck of a lot of difference. I, so it's the development part that's important. It's not. It's not really about being good. Uh, I mean, I guess that technically is about being good enough, but it's not. So if this where where this could help is if it rather than a player being look we can't we can't save a place in the practice squad for you so we're not keeping you so therefore he just you know he gets a spot in the summer and he goes and he tries to learn it's never going to work that way like 
either coming through college or being able to stay on a team for a couple of seasons to learn the game more on a practice squad gives you an opportunity. It's just people don't, I, I don't think people understand enough, not not you, Paul, uh, but I don't think people understand enough how much thinking goes in to every part of American football. Like offensive linemen are not just, oh, I'm a big guy and I block the big guy in front of me. There's zone schemes. There's, you know, the different type of blocks that you're going to have to do. You're going from your double team to the second level and which linebacker are you doing there and what happens when the quarterback calls a slide protection to the left. All those things. It's not... You go, it's you not go to the left. So you need to know the difference between your left and right. And if you don't know the difference between your left and right, then that's when you become a defensive lineman. <laughs> David the Jab was the perfect example of this, though, to be fair. I know what you're saying. I agree with you, Paul, and you're right. And I think David Ajabo got the opportunity because talent-wise, he had raw ability. What he didn't have was experience of playing American football. Went over to try and get a basketball scholarship and play basketball. Did one year of American football at high school, got a scholarship to Michigan and sat his first year to learn and then grew and grew and grew and grew. Now, the only thing about the NFL doing it at practice squad at that point is a bit later, unless they're talking about taking young guys that haven't gone through the college system uh, and therefore they're taking them at like 20, 21 years old and going into the practice squad at that point. But then there's other question marks there, right? Um, but someone like David Ajabo, if you've got the raw ability, can you be shaped into a football player? Do you have the brain to adapt? You've got the body that can do it. But if your head can't, it doesn't matter how long you get, you're just not going to be able to do it. It's, it's also, do you want it? Do you really yeah, want really it bad enough? Want it? Yeah. It's also like, a lot of people learn by doing so like sitting and reading a book about the intricacies of american football isn't really going to help you that much practice squad you you get limited reps because you're basically the scout team in a lot of practice things like that that's why so if you go into a college and you're like a tremendous raw athlete but you don't really understand the game yet at the college level that's good enough that you can still play while you learn because if you're big strong fast and you're, you know, 270 pounds, I can line you up opposite an, an offensive tackle in college, and I can tell you, see when that ball moves, run, try and go around the outside of him. And if you're a better athlete than that guy, just with that one pass rush move, you'll have some success. In the NFL, if you only have one pass rush move, backup offensive linemen in the NFL are going to shut you down. Yeah. You have to know what you, you know, you have to understand that, okay, I need to adjust and dip and rip and all these things as everything goes wrong. And that's that's where you just need the reps to understand what, understand the game, but also understand what, where you win and you, where you lose as a player. The, the, yes. the thing also is when you're on that practice squad, you're going up against the elite players on the opposition. Not necessarily always 100%, but say I was at the Eagles practice squad, defensive end, and I was going up against Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson would take me aside and say, listen, you need to do this and do that. You're not attacking leverage or whatever. And you would pick up so much from just listening to this guy about how to beat them. You would never get at the college level. You would yeah. never get out of coaching manuals. Right. We've been partnering on for ages. It's time to blow the full-time whistle for this episode uh, to close off our week one review. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this and all of our episodes. Continue to share your comments at Scotland NFL on Twitter or join our Patreon. It's only £3 a month. You get access to our chat group, um, which incidentally we didn't call out the Bills fans for ruining the game 
for some by chatting about it when we told them there was an embargo. Boo-hess, boo-hess. The best part about that was that the logic was simply, well, I was really annoyed about it, and you'll have seen the score by now anyway. Like, no, no. Thankfully, thankfully, I didn't look at the chat until I'd watched the game, so it was fine. But just the logic of you'll have seen the score by now, like, no, no, the point in asking you to not talk about it is because I will not have seen the score by now. I'm going to he, he made that comment at five in the morning. Yes. <laughs> We're all asleep. We haven't seen them. <laughs> I, I it was ruined for me, so I ended up just watching the highlights rather than the whole game. I at least one person left the group because they read it and were like, "Oh, I don't want to get the games ruined," so <laughs> left. So yeah, we'll be clamping down on that nonsense. Let me tell you, it's fine. The Bills won't be in many more uh, headline games this year, I would imagine. Anyway. They're in like five primetime games. Oh Jesus Christ! Right, we'll get on top of it. But yes, so there you go. Well, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Do join us if you can on Sunday at Top Golf. It's going to be fun. There's going to be walk-up music as well. Apparently, can't wait to hear what that's going to be. <laughs> Enjoy your week two football. Until next week's podcast for Cameron, for Gordon, for Ian, and myself. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>